Hello, I'm Dr. Annalene Weston, Dental Legal Advisor at Dental Protection based in Brisbane. Welcome to our next installment of Risk Bites, a series of podcasts produced exclusively for members of Dental Protection. Risk Bites looks at the key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer clear of them, leaving you free to provide safe and high quality dental care for your patients. In this edition, How to Document Risks and Warnings, we're going to focus on the pesky challenge of how best to capture the risks and warnings that we give patients in our dental records. And I'd like to welcome my colleague, Dr. Ralph Neller, to discuss this with us. Thanks, Ralph. So... Why then is it not enough for me just to write in my records, risks and warnings discussed? Thanks, Annalene. Well, from a dental legal perspective, just writing risks and warnings discussed in the treatment notes as some form of shorthand for what actually was discussed will leave the practitioner vulnerable to being challenged should the patient dispute their account. It is necessary to include some details about what information was discussed with the patient about possible risks, as this provides evidence that sufficient and appropriate information was provided uh, to enable the patient to understand what their treatment entails and the potential risks of a procedural complication. While there are ways of minimising writing a long narrative about potential risks in the treatment notes, the record should indicate both general and particular risks of treatment for each patient. An example would be when we are proposing to perform, say, root canal therapy. It should be normal practice to explain to the patient that the more general risks associated with um, performing endodontic treatment, such as file fracture and root perforation, are discussed. However, when there is a heightened risk due to the presenting condition of the tooth or even the root morphology, it is important to warn the patient of the added complexity of treatment and it is equally important to record that that was discussed. In the course of the discussion of heightened risks, it is prudent to raise with the patient the option of referral to a dental specialist for treatment. This should also be recorded. People often ask when should they record risks and is it necessary to do so for all treatment options? The simple answer is no. Uh, It would not be necessary to record all the risks of each treatment option. It would be, in the course of practice, uh, normal to discuss the potential beneficial outcomes of various treatment options and outline the associated risks of each treatment modality. Patients are then in a position to make an informed decision and consent to treatment. However, when writing up the treatment plan, it is essential to record what risks and warnings were provided when consent was obtained for a particular treatment. I previously gave the example of recording the general and specific risks associated with root canal therapy. However, I'm sure we can all think of other treatments and apply the same approach. Another example would be when discussing extractions or minor oral surgery. We need to outline the main or general risks as post-operative bleeding, clotting, pain, etc. However, it's essential to also explain and record heightened risks when they exist, such as proximity to the nasal antrum for upper molars or close proximity to the inferior dental nerve. These would be more specific risks with higher potential and in the instance for the upper, oral antral communication should be mentioned. 
for the lower paresthesia of the lip or tongue. By including this information, you personalise the records and clearly outline the level of information provided to the patient as part of the consent process. Thanks, Ralph, but can't I just use a consent form for that, a standardised consent form? I'm assuming that a standardised consent form would cover most risks in general terms. If the patient signed such a form, it would at best indicate that the clinician raised those risks when discussing the proposed treatment, and this information is the basis for gaining consent. However, as we all know, validating consent is more a question of what was discussed and how well the information was understood by the patient. Also, going back to my point about personalising the record, Often standardised consent forms lack details about heightened risks and how the practitioner emphasised to the patient their clinical predisposition to an adverse outcome. There cannot be an over-reliance on signing a form if the information provided is insufficient or if not adequately discussed and reasonably understood by the patient. It's essential to take the time to ensure the patient is following the conversation and shows signs of understanding what's proposed. So often patients switch off, often because of information overload. This is often recounted by way of a hostile complaint accusing the practitioner of not adequately warning them of the possible possibility of an adverse outcome of treatment. Informing the patient from the outset of potential risks is clearly a better position to be in and having it well documented verifies the effort you went to. If a standardised consent form is used, it needs to address these shortcomings by way of additional written information and also sufficient time has been allowed for discussion with the patient. Importantly, just as each patient's treatment is individually tailored to his or her needs, the decision-making and consent process needs to be accurately recorded. While standardised consent forms are not the total answer when obtaining consent, they are viewed by the dental board as an essential record for complex and high-value treatment. If, for example, we're doing implants or complex prosthodontics, orthodontics, oral surgery and immediate dentures and the like, it would be essential to include in the patient's records a signed consent form which details what information on risks and benefit of treatment were discussed. So can I auto-template this in my records then? Um, it, auto-templating can be used, but it shouldn't be the default position you take. Of concern is that auto-templating can depersonalise the record and limit the information recorded. Again, it's a shortcut, and if we believe in Murphy's Law, that will be the record you need when an official complaint is lodged with the dental board. Some software also allows auto-texting as well. We have many cases where dental, the dental board has considered records based on scant details from auto-templating and auto-text, and they consider them incomplete and therefore non-compliant with the guidelines. If you work in a practice that uses auto-templating, you need to assess yourself whether there is sufficient information being recorded to adequately show the decision-making process. If not, then you need to make additional notes. It's no defence in the eyes of the dental board to tell them how auto-templating or texting should be interpreted in a more expanded form. While you can be a little expansive when explaining to the board what your notes mean, there are limits, 
and going beyond those limits will be interpreted by the board as simply recollection. And this can be successfully challenged by the patient. Thanks, Ralph. So you know what I'm going to say next, the commonest pushback we get when we have this conversation. There is absolutely no way that other practitioners are finding the time to do this. So how are you going to suggest then I get all this information written down in the time I have? Well, you're right, Annalee. It's, it's a very common complaint. However, it does fall on deaf ears when raised as a defence with the dental board. Quite simply, as clinicians, we have to document the consent process and the dental board's guidelines outline in general terms what information must be recorded for planning and providing treatment. I've covered the need to document general and heightened risks of treatment. I appreciate that recording many risks associated with most dental procedures can be time consuming. However, it's in your and your patient's interest to be as thorough as possible when discussing and recording risks. A relatively simple way to do this is to use a fact sheet, which contains information about the more general risks and written for ease of understanding by a patient. Now, clinicians may choose to write their own fact sheet. However, the ADA brochures, which have been peer-reviewed, are considered gold standard by the dental board. Of course, the discussion that goes with giving the patient a fact sheet is equally important, as time must be made to use the fact sheets as a tool in discussions prior to gaining consent to treatment. By using fact sheets or peer-reviewed clinical brochures, which I draw a distinction between those and advertising brochures for dental products, an entry can be made in your treatment notes that the patient was provided with a fact sheet uh, on whatever treatment they're undertaking and their questions have been answered. This could form the basis of a standardised consent form which the patient then signs. However, I cannot stress the importance of including additional clinical notes about warnings of specific risks for that patient. Again, while I recognise that all this takes time, good records serve two main purposes. Firstly, they form a checklist when gaining consent, and secondly, they are a critical part of your defence should your treatment be challenged by way of official complaint to the dental board or through civil litigation proceedings. Good records demonstrate how well you explain what the treatment entails, as well as provides the patient with appropriate and sufficient information to enable them to give informed consent. A well-informed patient is more realistic about the possible outcomes of their treatment and less likely to complain if there is an unexpected complication with treatment. Thank you, Ralph. That's incredibly helpful. I really appreciate you taking the time. And thank you to all our members and colleagues for listening. We really hope this podcast has been helpful to you and we look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Goodbye.